The Sports Pen on ESPN-UP. Tanner Hoops with you Friday afternoon. Sun's starting to come out a little bit. It's still relatively cold, polar, if you want to go that way. But I will take sunny and freezing over gloomy and freezing. By the way, Ryan Steve for the Mining Journal's here with us. Yep. I, uh, <laughs> I, I, for me, sunny is... You know, it gives you a sign that things are getting better. Like, it was so dark and cold and uh, me having to go out and start my car every day, even mm. if I wasn't really going anywhere, <laughs> just to make sure it did start when I went somewhere. It uh, it got kind of repetitive, and uh, now it's like it looks like it's light at the end of the tunnel. Like, it's not going to get, like, to 50, 60, none of that stuff. But it's going to, you know, it's about 15, 16 outside, which is significantly better than 30 mm-hmm. below. <laughs> Once again, uh, Ryan Stieg with us. So that means it is Friday. That means we've got Northern Michigan Athletics to cover. Basketball last night. They're back in action tomorrow. We've got hockey this weekend. It is our final show before the Super Bowl, so we're obligated to talk about that. The NBA, for whatever reason, during Super Week is dominating the headlines. And then, of course, the Friday funnies. But let's start with Northern Michigan. On the basketball side of things, they were in Parkside last night. I should say they were at Kenosha taking on Parkside Mm. last night. They uh, both ended up falling. The women with a hot start. The men play well, go to overtime, but they fall to a good Rangers team. Yeah, it. Uh, the women started off okay, but a bad second quarter. I think they were outscored like, you know, something like fourteen to six. It just, uh, you know, you can't score just six points in a quarter. Mm-hmm. It uh, that's going to put you behind. They were forced to rally. They got within nine at some points. They ended up losing by eight, but uh, went. It's just that one quarter, and then they were forced to play catch-up. And, uh, you know, Troy Matson said in the press conference, he said, we can't keep doing that. We can't just have, <laughs> you know, try to come back against good teams. Uh, Northern was in first place and looked like a fairly secure first place in the Gleick North, but uh, falling to Tech and now falling to Parkside, now it's a little shaky ground, and uh, Northern's got to figure it out. The good thing is, is that um, they're playing North Purdue Northwest on Saturday, who they slaughtered really badly. <laughs> you know, so and the thing is, is they beat Parkside pretty heavily too. But Parkside wasn't fully healthy. No, and I put that in my recap last night that uh, their best player was back on the court, Mally Betancourt, um, and she had a good night and uh, she had a good supporting cast. It just teams are different. You can pound them really good when it's. <laughs> when they're missing like two good players, but uh, when everybody's healthy, uh, they're hard to stop. And uh, you know, and Northern is in this trend where they play such good defense, but they got to score and get past the sixty mark. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like if they want to go far in the tournament. It, I know they're so good on defense, but you know, winning by five and, <laughs> and six. I mean, weight of you know, they end up having to play Ashland or something like mm-hmm. that. You know, it's like you can't just be adequate with 60 points. <laughs> so I think it's to change. The men, on the other hand, their three-game winning streak snapped. Um, looked good at times. Isaiah Johnson had a better game than he did against Tech. Uh, finished at 21. Nob Eccles at 18. Troy Summers contributed pretty well mm-hmm. uh, for a red shirt. He... Uh, Got 12 points. I think he led the team with, like, nine rebounds or something like that. So it was a good night for them. It's just once they got to overtime, I mean, Northern had a lead, and then Parkside tied it up right to send it overtime. And it's just Parkside just, I don't know what was going on, but it's like Northern kept committing fouls. I don't know if they were just driving to the basket well, but Parkside started to hit their free throws. Northern was forced to rally. Johnson and Eckholz tried to do what their thing was, but it's just they they ended up just getting outlasted, and uh, that was unfortunate. But uh, again, they have a game that they could win on Saturday. Uh, Darby Youngstrom with a career high in points last night, one of the bright spots for Northern basketball. Yeah, she, uh, you know, she's one of their key players, and uh, she's that was kind of her statement game. At uh, she's trying to be their their leader and uh the thing is is there's a lot of contributors on that offense but i think heading into this weekend or i can't remember if it was the tech game but like the leading score on the team was averaging 11 points mm-hmm. that's that's not going to cut it no. if uh, you're just getting past the double digit mark so um kind of a a good game for her but they're going to need 
some more um, consistency because I think against Tech she didn't have that great of a game. So, um, But it's nice to see her. Hopefully she'll uh, continue to play well. And we've got hockey coming up this weekend, an absolutely monster, a massive series coming up with Bowling Green. If Northern really wants to get home ice in the conference tournament, it's all going to start this weekend. It, uh, Northern, when you look at the Friday game last week, and they actually played pretty well. They fell behind and were forced to rally, but they had, you know, they weren't playing bad. They were keeping up with the Mavericks. It just they weren't scoring until you know started to get later in the game, and it just they fell short. They were moving the puck well. They were trying to trying some things. Troy Loggins got a shorthanded goal, and mm-hmm. that was really cool to see. Um, kind of a weird shorthanded goal. Usually it's a little more efficient, but uh, Rockwood tried tried to shot himself. Tried to shoot it himself, which is something he doesn't do often. Um, Dryden McKay made the save, but he kicked it right to Loggins, who was trailing the play, and he had a wide-open net. So that was fun, but Saturday was just a disaster. I mean, (laughs) there's really no other way to put it. It was just bad. They didn't... Goaltending wasn't there. That's probably the first game Tolvanen's really played bad. Mm -hmm. He wasn't seeing the puck well, and Grant said so. He, um... Gave up three in the first half of the first period. Uh, was pulled for Nolan Kent. Nolan gave up one, um, you know, right before the end of the period. I thought maybe with that Phil Ballou goal, there was a spark maybe mm-hmm. that they could, you know, yeah, they're down 3-0, but if they got one back, they could maybe get one before the end of the period. Or even if they're down 3-1, you still have two periods left. But they got that one on the power play. Mankato got that. Mark Michaelis, who's their best player, ended up scoring on that goal, which isn't a surprise because, honestly, he's the best forward (laughs) on the ice. So, you know, and then the weird thing was Grant put Tolvanen back in the game. He tried to explain why he did it, and I understand his justification. He thought, you know, Tolvanen gave them the better chance to win, so he put him back out there, Um, but Tolvanen just wasn't seeing it that night. And uh, he didn't want Nolan to sit there and have that be his only appearance mm-hmm. and <laughs> be put up against the best team in the conference and not just, hey, you know, keep us in it, but, hey, save the game for us. <laughs> you know, we're not playing well. Try to get it back into us. And you don't want to put that pressure on a guy who has played all of five minutes during the season and, <laughs> and that was when Tolvanen got hurt briefly. So I, I understand he didn't want that to have to linger over his head because Tolvanen's going to play this weekend and he's going to play the rest of the season. So I understand you don't want to have that. Um, was, I was a little confused why he did it during the game, but, you know, he had some justification for it. But uh, not not a good night. Uh, that was probably the only the second time since I've started covering Northern that they really played bad. Um, the other one was uh, a game against Bowling Green where it was 6 nothing final score. Mm. And uh, my parents actually came up and saw that game. Mm. And uh, I felt bad because that was their first game yeah. watching Northern, and it was a disaster. So it, um, I think I think they'll bounce back this weekend. They need to bounce back this weekend. Bowling Green is probably the second-best team in the conference right now. They're, they're, very, they're different than Mankato. Mankato relies heavily on their talent and their speed, whereas Bowling Green has guys who can score, but they're very hard-hitting. They like to slow the game down. They like to hit. <laughs> um, you know, and Grant talked about that. Um, I put that in my preview that came out. It's just it's a very different style than Northern is, and uh, they had to adjust to it last year. The interesting thing is that Bowling Green started off so hot, mm-hmm. and Northern was the first team that actually stood in their way and yeah. stopped that streak. So, Maybe that's the team they need to play to kind of get back into it. Uh, it's not, yeah, it's not going to be easy though. Uh, Bowling Green's just—they're very good this year. Um, you know, as between them, Mankato and Northern, on who's going to win the conference, and then you got Lake State, who's surprising a lot of people, mm-hmm. and Michigan Tech's still in the mix. So, I think Mankato, the way they're playing, will probably end up winning the conference again. I don't mm-hmm. think—I mean, they're up like nine or twelve or something like that, and. Uh, you really got to rally at that point, and I don't see Mankato stumbling. So maybe in the playoffs they will. Um, they're a lock to the tournament right now, but uh, maybe if that happens like they did against Michigan Tech, maybe they'll get a lot, another team a chance. But uh, I think it's 
now everybody's fighting for second, so it'll be interesting. You've got Bowling Green, Northern, obviously, fighting for second, meeting this weekend, two of the top three teams in the conference. But like you said, Lake State nipping on their heels. Michigan Tech is right there. Bemidji's still capable of mm -hmm. making a run. So the conference is still wide open. There's a lot to be decided here in these final weeks. Northern's got to bring it tonight and tomorrow night. But tell me a little about Bowling Green personnel-wise, what they're going to bring to the table. Um, They're just... I, there's no statement player. There's no, like, Mitch McLean that's mm -hmm. out there, you know. But uh, there's just guys who can contribute. I mean, there's there's nothing that's really bad with them. They're very good. They have the best defense in the country. And that's the way the big focus is going to be on. I mean, their offense is pretty good. But if you look at defense, it's, you know, Eric Dopp has been playing well this year. He was looked like he was going to be the backup to Ryan Bednard, but they're splitting time. Dopp's actually playing a lot more than he has rec you know, recently than he did at the start of the year. Um, I'm not sure who's going to play in net because Bergeron's kind of like a we'll see what happens <laughs> kind of guy, whereas other coaches are like, I'm going with my number one guy. But uh, it was that way when, you know, they came up here last year. I mean, they switched goalies both nights, and you're wondering when it came down to the playoff series it was going to be. So I don't really know. Um, uh, I'll see uh, if uh, my guru who uh, writes for BGSU Hockey has any thoughts on that. I'll have to check in with him. But uh, I – it's going to be tough. Um, I don't see a lot of... You're probably not going to see a lot of goals. I, mm -hmm. I see this being a 2-1, uh, maybe a 3-2 game both nights. It's just... It's going to be a grinded-out game. I hope people show up. Yeah. Yeah, I, uh, I know people are really interested. I think the uh, Tech basketball games help, too. But they're fighting for first place. There's a lot of hype. I hyped it up as much as I could. But then they fell flat with that 82 game, so I'm hoping people aren't discouraged by that and not want to come this weekend because it's another important series. So I think, oh boy, it, I just I hope people come because it was a fun atmosphere. Um, you know, I hadn't seen that. I mean, the Tech games always sell out, but if you look at that Mankato game, was kind of what you're hoping. I haven't mm. seen that since the playoff series with Bowling Green. Well. Yeah, the, I mean, the Tech Championship was loud. But, you know, it's Michigan Tech. You expect that to happen. But with Bowling Green, I'd never seen people show up for a Bowling Green game. So um, I'm hoping there's a good crowd. I mean, I know high school basketball's tonight, so maybe not as great of a crowd on Friday. I know the cold didn't help last week either, So, but it's supposed to warm up. I think you'll, you'll probably get a better crowd on Saturday. But uh, I, I, I hope it's a good crowd. I hope it's a good game. I think it's going to be. We're up against a break, but I have one more point that I want to touch on, get your thoughts on. The way that last weekend went, people will forget Northern actually outshot Mankato in both Weirdly. games. They had, yeah, they generated offense. They just couldn't put it in the net. You talked about how good Bowling Green's defense is. If, for whatever reason, I know you said you're expecting a 2-1, 3-2 score. If, for whatever reason, someone's able to get to that 4-5 goal threshold and it starts becoming a track meet, more like a 5-4 game rather than a 2-1, who does that favor? It definitely favors Northern. Northern mm -hmm. uh, Bowling Green, like I said, they like to slow it down. They like to be physical. And um, at the start of the year, they were the team. That was doing the kind of fast pace, mm -hmm. you know, putting up a lot of goals. But that's not been really the case. I think... The interesting thing with Bowling Green is that, you know, they swept Mankato right before the Christmas break, but they've split their series after Christmas. So maybe this is the time to catch them because they're not as strong as they were. Um, I think if it gets to like a 4-3, 5-4 game, you're going to see Northern have the edge because they have the scorers that can do that. Um, it's just people need to figure it out there's you know i was talking to actually some of the players and i can tell they're getting frustrated because you know a lot of their key guys are putting up the numbers that people thought they were going to do or what northern needs them to do so if if they're going to start doing it this is the series to do it actually last week and was technically the series to do it but now they really need to do it the pressure's on they can't fall too backwards and i mean if they were get if they got swept this weekend it would be kind of a I wouldn't say a knockout punch, but it's definitely a uh, one that will keep them staggering. <laughs> I think, like, not on the, not you know, they're gonna have to shake the cobwebs out and kick in the gear because they'll have Huntsville, which should be a sweep. 
but for some reason, Huntsville gives them fits when they go mm-hmm. down to Alabama. And then you have Lake State, who is also charging, trying to get into second place. So that's going to be competitive. And then you got the Tech Series, of course. So it's it's not easy. They, I mean, that next weekend's about the only gimme series they have, and even that's not in the bag. Ryan Steak from the Mining Journal's in studio with us. We'll take our first time out when we come back. It's Super Week, and it's our final show before the Super Bowl. We'll get our final thoughts on it after this on the Sports Pen on ESPN UP. Check out the UP's live and local sports talk show, The Sports Pen, weekday afternoons at four on ESPN UP and on the ESPN UP app. Welcome back to the Sports Pen on ESPN-UP. Danner Hoops, Ryan Stieg with you. Thanks for hanging out with us on your Friday afternoon. Just about time for the weekend. Just about time for Super Bowl Sunday. Tomorrow night, we've got the NFL Awards. And then, of course, the big one coming up on Sunday. Still thinking, Pats? I am. I am not. You're not. I was thinking New England all through the week, but uh, I'm writing my Super Bowl column on Sunday, and I'm picking the Rams in a Are close you? one. Yeah, right. uh, yeah. I, uh, I don't know. It's like whenever the Patriots are really, really confident, mm-hmm. it's when they stumble in the Super Bowl. Everybody thought they'd beat the Giants yep. both times, mm-hmm. and they lost both times. Um, people are thinking they are going to beat the Eagles, you know, kind of easily, and the Eagles ended up winning. And now people are thinking, oh, you know, the way the Rams played against the Saints, it took them a while to get going. They needed a questionable play call. <laughs> a, a, uh, actually, it was a no call, mm-hmm. um, you know, to get into the Super Bowl. They had, you know, a game-winning kick, which I think people forget about, yeah. is that the Rams got themselves. I mean, yeah, people focus on the non-call, but the Rams played well in overtime. Mm-hmm. They picked off Drew Brees. They played good, de- they played good defense. They played... Good offense. They ran. They got the ball. And I mean, I was wondering on the 57-yarder because that's a long kick mm-hmm. to try to send your team to the Super Bowl. But they have one of the few kickers in the league who can actually drill those with ease. Greg the leg. Yeah, Greg the leg right down the middle. I mean, it wasn't like a close one. It's mm-hmm. like it was. It was perfect. And uh, I think people tend to forget that. And uh, I don't know. I, I mentioned in my column. I said if to beat New England. You know, Atlanta should have had they, you know, kept running the football and not been stupid. And then Kyle Shanahan gets a job after being stupid. (laughs) So, but, you know, it's, you look, the Eagles won uh, in many ways because they thought outside the box. They Mm -hmm. tried some trick plays. They tried to do stuff. Yeah, they tried to do stuff that, you know, they didn't really do during the regular season. And that's, you got to catch them when they're by surprise and they weren't ready for it. Um, they tried to imitate them with the Tom Brady Philly special play. Mm-hmm. That was a disaster because he's not a receiver. Nick Foles can actually catch the football, <laughs> <laughs> you know? So it's just, that's what you got to do. And, you know, Sean McVay is one of the few coaches. He's got an almost eidetic memory. Mm-hmm. He remembers just some obscure stuff like, here, you remember this first down that you did this one game? And he'll remember it, like, completely what happened. And it's like, I have this feeling he's going to remember some obscure thing the Patriots did, like, two years ago. (laughs) And it's just going to be like, oh, yeah, I can see it. They're going to do it again. And he's going to take advantage of it. I think it's going to be really close. It's going to come down to the fourth quarter. You know, an interesting prop bet is that uh, is there going to be a lead change in the fourth? Mm-hmm. And with the Patriots, there's always a lead oh, change. Absolutely. Yeah, it's it's with them. Um, it always comes down to the wire. They're going to, you know, it happened with the Atlanta game, happened with the Philly game. I, you know, happened the Seattle game. <laughs> and by the way, today is the four year anniversary of when they didn't give the ball to Lynch on the one yard line and lost the Super Bowl. And Daryl Bevel was hired. Yes, that a lot. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, that, that, to me, that's the most Lions thing ever. <laughs> Here, here's a guy who was famous for, you know, making a terrible play call that he shouldn't have made, and the Lions are like, that's the guy I want. Yeah, that's the upgrade for Jim <laughs> Bob Cooter. That's, yeah, right there. Or, you know, Matt Patricia's D gets lit up in the Super Bowl, you mm. know, and who gets hired and the Lions hire him. 41 points to a backup quarterback. The worst amount of yards that the, a Belichick-led Patriots team has given up Ouch. in the area. 41 points, that many yards. It was just, 
I don't think it was the most points, but it was definitely the most total yards they've given up. And it's just... <laughs> the Lions have made a lot of weird hires, mm-hmm. but it was like... When you have two guys who are known for a bad experience or a terrible play call, it makes people scratch their heads and be like, what are you thinking, you know? And uh, I'm sure Lions fans do that a lot. But uh, anyway, getting back, I think it's going to be good. Uh, I, You know, the Patriots dynasty started with a field goal at the buzzer. Buzzer, yeah, buzzer makes yeah. sense. Yeah, we'll go that. But uh, to beat the Rams, I don't think their dynasty dies if they lose the Super Bowl. I think, but it'd be kind of, in a weird way, appropriate. Mm-hmm. Like when people think the dynasty is going to die if they lose. That's what I'm thinking. They're going to lose on a field goal by the by the Rams in the closing minute. That mm-hmm. I'm going that bold. Um, but wouldn't it be kind of Funny, in a way. Especially considering a few of the most egregious officiating errors in league history led to both of the matchups in those Super Bowls. Because you think about the tuck rule that got New England to that Super Bowl, and then the missed call, the no call, in the NFC Championship game that got the Rams to this Super Bowl. Yeah, and, uh, you know, the Patriots, you know, had their little, that uh, <laughs> terrible penalty call against mm-hmm. that came went against the Chiefs. It, uh... You know, it seems like the teams that are that are getting the breaks are in here, and uh, I think I think what's going to happen is Sean, like I said, Sean McVay is going to see something that he can exploit. They get a big play, they get it into field goal range, and I think Greg Zerline, maybe not necessarily at the buzzer, but like in the final seconds, is what's going to happen, and then all the Rams have to do is kind of just make like one stop or something like that. So I'm going to go bold. I usually with my predictions think it's going to be by a touchdown mm-hmm. or something like that, or, you know, maybe a, even by three, but I don't think it's going to happen like in exciting, thrilling fashion. But I thought, you know, it, it'd be appropriate. It's, it'd be kind of a fun thing to do. And uh, yeah, I, I think it's going to happen that way. Ryan Stig from the Mining Journal's in studio with us. I was going to give you a few yes or no's on some prop bets I'd sure. come up with. And one of them was, is there going to be a game-winning field goal? And you think yes, but here's a few others I came up with I want to get your thoughts on. Okay. Yes or no, Super Bowl Sunday, one way or another, will be Rob Gronkowski's final game. I think it will be. I do too. Um, you know, some people were talking about it's Tom Brady and he's not going to retire. Yeah, no. Um, the only way he would even bl- remotely consider it is if he won. If they lost, mm-hmm. if they lose, he's not. Um, but, you know, there was a debate at the start of the year. Is Gronk even come back this season? Mm-hmm. It seems like he wavered on it, went back and forth. He decided to do so. Um, but I, I think, I mean, passion is there, but I think he knows he's been hurt before. And unlike past years, guys don't play until they're 40 really Mm -hmm. anymore i think it sinks in when you get into your early 30s even you're just like you're gonna get you're hit getting hit hard if you've had concussions before if it happens again is it going to be worse is it you know do i want to spend time in my 50s and 60s forgetting stuff i mean brett Favre talked about that um i can't remember what talk show he's on but he's saying like as he gets older, he's forgetting stuff he shouldn't be forgetting. Mm-hmm. You know, some of that is, you know, forgetting where your keys are, you know, something like that. That happens. But, you know, he, I think in one interview, it wasn't in that same show, but he talked about how he went to see his daughter's soccer game. And he couldn't remember a single thing that happened. He remembered driving <laughs> to the field, but as far as if they won, if his daughter scored, <laughs> if, you know, he said he didn't remember a thing. And that's a scary thing, you know, to reach that point. You've played football for so long, and you can't remember what just happened. (laughs) You know, I don't think a lot of guys want to put their bodies through that anymore. You see guys who are, I mean, Pat McAfee quit, and he was in his prime as a punter. Yeah, yeah, he was in his prime as a punter. He had a long time to go, but he wasn't feeling it anymore, and... I think you're going to see that happen a lot more. You're 
guys are going to play, if they're playing on good teams, I think they're going to play, you know, six, seven years, something like that, and maybe consider it. If they're on bad teams, they'll probably want to push a little more because they want to get more out of their career before they call it quits. But uh, I, I think this will be Gronk's last year. I'm depressed after hearing all that. Let's move on to prop bets <laughs> yeah, number okay. two. <laughs> yeah, okay. Okay, on the Rams side of things, C.J. Anderson will once again outrush Todd Gurley, yes or no? I have him scoring a touchdown. Do you? Yeah. Okay. Because I think people are going to be expecting Gurley, mm-hmm. and I think C.J. Anderson's going to get one. Okay. Um, uh, so, as far as outrushing him, because I think Gurley's going to show up. I think he's so frustrated with himself that he didn't play well against mm-hmm. the Saints. I don't think he's going to have like a career game, you know, but... I think he outrushes Anderson, but I think they use Anderson as more of more of a decoy. Some we use Todd Gurley as a decoy, and they'll give the ball to Anderson a little more, like on short yardage plays. So I think he, Anderson's going to score a touchdown, and um, but I don't think he's going to outrush him. Last one before we go to break. It's kind of a two-parter about Tom Brady. Okay. Part A, he throws for at least three touchdowns, and B, he's picked off twice. Am I answering, is he going to throw three touchdowns and get picked up twice? Or, no, what? or. Or, or. I think he's going to throw three touchdowns and get picked up once. Okay. He's going to turn it. He's gonna turn the ball over. Because mm-hmm. he didn't used to do that. But, you know, you know I put him a call in, in the Seattle Super Bowl. He threw a horrendous pick deep mm-hmm. in, in Seattle territory. And... The Falcons, he gave up a pick six against the Falcons. Last game against the Eagles, he I mean, he fumbled the ball, but it mm-hmm. wasn't – he didn't really play – he didn't turn the ball over in a terrible fashion. Um, I think he throws a pick in this one, and it's going to be a crucial pick. Like, it's either going to lead to a Rams score – or it can be one where it looks like the Patriots are having momentum and they're driving and he screws up <laughs> in some way. Well, and people forget, he really didn't play all that well in the AFC Championship game. No. He threw for one touchdown, two picks, and it should have been three if D4 doesn't drop. Yeah. It would have been the game winner. His passer rating was like 64. Yeah, it. Uh, he's not playing great. No. He definitely didn't play so against the Chiefs. So um, I see him... I, he's he's gonna mess up once, you know. Mm-hmm. I don't know if he's gonna mess up twice, but uh, I think he's gonna do it once because it's what he's been kind of prone to do. He's either throwing it into bad coverage, mm-hmm. and or he, I don't know, <laughs> thinks he sees a guy and the guy's not there or whatever. And I think he relies so much on Edelman mm-hmm. that that for some reason the Chiefs late and you know weren't focusing in on him when they needed to. And I think. I think the Rams are going to notice that and remember that because it's Sean McVay, and they're going to take advantage of it. Bottom of the hour here on the Sports Pen, Tanner Hoops, Ryan Steig with you. When we come back, we'll talk about why the NBA is dominating the headlines on Super Week. Next in the Sports Pen on ESPN-UP. Check out the UP's live and local sports talk show, The Sports Pen, weekday afternoons at 4 on ESPN-UP and on the ESPN-UP app. The Sports Pen on ESPN-UP, Tanner Hoops, Ryan Stieg with you. Here is your Sports Center update. Julius Peppers has announced his retirement after 17 NFL seasons. He was named to nine Pro Bowls, and he finishes with a career 159.5 sacks. That's fourth most in NFL history. Philadelphia Flyers goalie Carter Hart has been named NHL Rookie of the Month after posting a 6-2-1 record in January with a 2.33 goals against average and a save percentage of 931. And finally, 10 years after cutting Michael Vick, Atlanta will be selling leather hats with Michael Vick's signature on them for $110 at the Super Bowl this weekend. Leather hats. Yep. Just take those to the nearest Marshalls and call it good. Yeah. (laughs) That's your sports Uh, center update. Here's the thing, you know, it's so weird for me with the Falcons stadium. And Blake and I have touched on this before. The Chick-fil-A in Atlanta Stadium, I think, is one of the dumbest things. Mm -hmm. I know people love Chick-fil-A, but they're closed on Sundays. Mm -hmm. The Falcons play on Sundays. Why would you put a popular... (laughs) It's a a religious thing. Well, I know that's why they do it, but it's just like... Why would you put it in the stadium when they're going to be closed most of the time? It doesn't make any sense to me. It... uh, no, it's just bizarre, you know, and they're not going to be open during the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. So 
what? <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's just, I mean, I know, I know why they do it. I know why they're closed on Sunday, but you know, they've said they're not going to open for the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. So, but it was just, it seems like a dumb idea. I know it's so big in the South and I know people like it and I've eaten there and it's pretty good. I think it's a little overrated, but mm-hmm. I just, it was such a bizarre decision. They got to rely on Monday night games yeah. and Thursday night football. Yeah. And you know, they're not going to play that often. No, they're not. <laughs> I think they played like once, yeah. uh, you know, either on Thursday and or there's Monday. There's no guarantee it's going to be a home game when they Yeah, do. yeah. So, I don't know. It's just, I mean, are you going to have monster truck rallies or like something like that <laughs> where they're open for? I don't know. Weird. Well, you can get a Michael Vick hat. I mean, you, you could. You might not be able to get Chick-fil-A, but you can get a leather Michael Vick hat with a signature on it for $110. Well, hey. <laughs> I'm not going to get one. No, I mean, $110. <laughs> yeah. Ten years after they cut him, now they're selling his leather hats at the Super Bowl. Well, he's probably the most famous player in team history. So Could be. It's hard to think of anyone who's, albeit maybe infamous, maybe has done more on a performance-based scale for mm-hmm. the city of Atlanta. Arguably, Julio Jones might go down with that title. Or Deion Sanders. Okay, uh, Deion. Yeah, um, I think uh, that's just, he's kind of their, I mean, he was like, they go. People had Vic jerseys all yeah. over the place. I mean, he was the Madden guy, you mm-hmm. know. Like in that video game, he was like the Bo Jackson of Tecmo football. He was just he was so good in that game, and I just he was he had so much thing in his prime. And uh, I'm not surprised that they're doing it. It's a bit overpriced for a mm-hmm. <laughs> thing, but uh, I don't know. Maybe they'll get some people to fall for it. Here's the other thing that I could have went with. I always like to have something satirical, maybe funny for the third part of the update. I could have gone with how for tomorrow night for the NFL Awards and the Rookie of the Year will be announced. The front runners are Saquon Barkley and Baker Mayfield. They put on a bet between each other. They're betting on bling. The loser has to buy a chain for the winner or somebody of the winner's choice. Hmm. I'm kind of excited to see how that, that one turns uh, yeah, out. Yeah, that's, that's interesting. Um... I, I, I'm not a chain person. Yeah. Yeah. I'd wear one. I'd wear one if Big I... Big dollar sign chain. Yeah. You have to fight three rappers to get. I'd uh, wear it. I think that... Uh, I, I, I'd wear it if I won a contest yeah. like that. Uh, but uh, I don't know. I, who do you think's going to get it? I still think Saquon. Will. I do too. Yeah. Um, uh, it'd be a little bit of a surprise if he didn't get it from me. Plus, he's in the, those Visa commercials. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Where he gets suckered into buying everybody soda and stuff like that so but uh yeah i think he's gonna get it he'll be wearing the chain ryan steve from the mining journal with us it is super bowl week but the nba has been dominating the headlines and it's so weird to think we all know who's gonna win the nba finals this summer we all know who the best team in the league is and yet there's so much drama that it dominates the headlines when the super bowl is just a few days away it you know started yesterday with well, actually, it started Monday with Anthony Davis. It continued when Kristaps Porzingis was traded to Dallas, which is apparently now the capital of Europe. And today, Kyrie Irving says he doesn't owe anybody anything. That he is opening the door to not resigning with Boston and going elsewhere when his contract expires in July. Kyrie's an interesting guy. Yes, he is. <laughs> I mean, I wanted I wanted to believe him when he told the fans, "I'm resigning. This is my team." But he's also the same guy who thought the world was flat. So I don't yeah. know. I don't know if his word means a whole lot. Yeah. It, uh, and then you know was kind of standoffish with LeBron. And didn't he say like he apologized to LeBron? Yeah. Called yeah. him and apologized. He's, maybe he realized. Maybe yeah, I don't like the spotlight being on me, being the face of a franchise. Yeah. You know, and have this negative stigma attached to me. Mm-hmm. So I. Do you think he leaves Boston? I think right now he probably would if his I think, contract was up. If they make a run in the Yeah, that's what I'm saying. The, if they make a run in the playoffs, I think maybe he'll do it, but uh I don't kinda don't see it happening. Uh, so yeah, I, I think he quits. The only question will be will he go to LA or to New York? Because the Knicks have a chance to win this trade. I know the eye popping uh figures and what have <laughs> you that go with it that Porzingis is sent to Dallas, teams up with Luka Doncic and Dirk Nowinski, mm-hmm. but New York, with the cap space they freed up, they do have a chance to do something special with this trade if they can land Zion Williamson, maybe recruit Kevin Durant, and try to convince him to be the face of a franchise. And, you know, Durant has nothing left to prove over there in Golden State. Maybe they pick up Kyrie Irving. It's reasonable to think New York could be pretty good next year. 
I think he goes to the Lakers. You think so? Well, I think they're if he's trying to get on better terms with LeBron, mm-hmm. you know, and they played well in Cleveland together and they were successful. I think, I think he's more likely to go there. I think the Knicks are still the Knicks, even though mm-hmm. they're pre- <laughs> they're they're doing putting effort into it and trying to build something, but they're still the Knicks. Yeah. They, I mean. Even when you look like they're going to be successful, they still aren't, you know? So, uh, <laughs> they're such a weird franchise. Yes, they, they are. Uh, the tickets there are so overpriced. And, you, I mean, I feel like people go there just because it's Madison Square Garden. But mm-hmm. you're not going to see, like, a fantastic game in front of you. So You will for the opponent. Yeah, I mean. Hard <laughs> at the Garden. Yeah, I mean, if you're a fan of the opposing team, I mean, you're going to have a blast. But I, I think the Lakers... Or a better. I mean, I know they're not where LeBron wants them to be, but he mm-hmm. went there to build something, and, and he looked really good. Yeah, come back yeah, last yeah. Night. So it. Uh, I think. I think if he's gonna leave, he's gonna go there rather than go out to New York, and I don't think they're gonna get Durant either. So mm-hmm. it's just me. As of today, it appeared that Anthony Davis is not considering playing for the Boston Celtics, that he would still consider leaving after one year, even if he's traded to Boston. And keep in mind, he can't be traded because of the Rose Rule there until July the 1st. So Boston might be out of the running for AD and Kyrie a year from now or so. I'm starting to wonder, though, is that going to be a terrible thing? Because you get a lot of these guys that are coming into their own and getting older, guys like Jalen Brown and Tatum. I don't know if Gordon Hayward's ever going to be the way he was before. He's looked good sometimes, sometimes he hasn't. But that injury did a lot to him. It, it really did. I just don't know that he's ever going to be the Gordon Hayward that he was before. I it's The NBA's... <laughs> It's kind of bizarre. It's like there's so many super teams, you know, that come together, and then they kind of drift apart, and then it's another team's era. I I love LeBron, and I want him to be successful. I just wish he wasn't with the Lakers. I know. <laughs> you know, because it's like he did so much goodwill in Cleveland, and mm-hmm. he brought them their title, and he built that school, and it's like now he's in L.A., and he's trying to do his own thing again, but it's just – the Lakers are just, they were that team that nobody liked for mm-hmm. a long time. And it's just, oh, I wish it would have gone somewhere else. But, uh, you know, maybe they will be. Maybe they will, they'll be the team to beat. I tell you what, we got the all-star rosters finalized last night with the reserves. Here's who's going to represent the Eastern Conference as a reserve. Bradley Beal, Victor Oladipo, who won't be playing. We'll know his replacement soon enough. Kyle Lowry, Ben Simmons, Chris Middleton, Blake Griffin, and Nikola Vucevic. Over in the Western Conference, Russell Westbrook, Damian Lillard, Clay Thompson, Anthony Davis, LaMarcus Aldridge, Carl Anthony Towns, and Nikola Jokic. Who is the biggest snub from... The all-star team. I want to say it's Luka Doncic. I, I don't know who he would replace because I think there's no one who's undeserving on there. But I, I just feel like Doncic is good enough that he should be in the all-star game. But at the same point, Rudy Gobert might be the best defensive player in the game. He got snubbed. And it's probably because nobody cares about defense. It's all about offense and the that's, points. Yeah, that's why it's going to be like 148 to uh, one. Mm-hmm. 39 or something like that. Mm-hmm. That's just how the All-Star game goes. So I'd say the first one. Yeah, Doncic. Yeah, I think uh, the thing is with the All-Star game, it's always the same guys mm-hmm. every year. And uh, it's hard to be that guy who squeezes in, <laughs> you know, to the starting five. I think, but I think he's deserving. Yeah, that's what I'd go with. If Jimmy Butler was still with the Timberwolves, it'd be pretty safe to say that he'd be over there in the West. Yeah, I would say so too, but uh, he decided to be a jerk and is back over in the East Coast. <laughs> so I don't really miss him. Ryan Steve from <laughs> the Mining Jet. He's from Minnesota. Yeah, I'm from Minnesota. Out, by yeah, the way. yeah. He's got this all on a deeply personal level. <laughs> uh, no, the NBA has been dominating headlines on Super Week. Here's one of my overreactions from yesterday, and I want you to tell me if it's an overreaction or not. Okay. The three greatest European players of all time are all teammates right now for the Dallas Mavericks. It's, I think it's kind of cool. It is pretty cool. You've got Dirk, who's definitely one of the greatest of all time. I would time. say he's probably, he probably the... probably is the greatest European player uh, of all yeah. time. And then you've got Porzingis and Doncic, who... Look very much like they could turn into Dirk Nowitzki's. Yeah, the the future Dirks. Yeah, <laughs> I I can see that happening. But it's like Dallas is very thinking outside the box. They like to look in other places. And I think when Dirk came into the league, people were like, why did they go overseas? Mm-hmm. You know, there's been other there's been 
decent overseas players, you know, but a star player, Dirk became like a superstar in yeah. a way. He's going to be a Hall of Famer, you know, and I think when people started, they were like, no way, but he really emerged as, I mean, people bought Dirk Nowitzki jerseys. I mean, do you really think a guy named Dirk was going <laughs> <was gonna laughs> to be a big money maker in the jersey business? But uh, I, I think it's great. Uh, the NBA expanding their game, um, to different places. I know South America is starting to get into it. You got, of course, the European countries, you know, Australia a little bit. China, too. China is in there. I mean, it's it's good to see. I mean, yeah, their core is always going to be in the U.S., but it, it makes a global game makes it more fun, kind of like what baseball is. Ryan Stieg from the Mining Journal in studio with us. We owe you our last time out. Friday funnies after this in the Sports Pen on ESPN-UP. Check out the UP's live and local sports talk show, The Sports Pen, weekday afternoons at 4 on ESPN-UP and on the ESPN-UP app. The Sports Pen on ESPN-UP, Danner Hoops, Ryan Stieg with you, winding you down to the 5 o'clock hour. We got the Friday funnies on tap for you. Before we get into that, the American Alliance of Football. It is a new professional league that's set to kick off here in a few weeks, just after the Super Bowl. I don't know if a lot of people took this league seriously. Plenty of them, plenty of the teams, there's eight of them, are based in the South. I think seven of the eight are below the Mason-Dixon line. But they've got some pretty big names, to be honest with you, that are coming in to coach. Coaches, yeah. Coaches, absolutely. And now they've named their game analysts for their television broadcast. Listen to this list that they got uh, for broadcast teams. Marvin Lewis, Gary Danielson, Trent Green, Adam Archuleta, Maurice Jones-Drew, Tiki Barber, Steve Mariucci, David Carr, Brock Heward, and Sean O'Hara. These are all like guys who have broadcasting yeah, experience. Yeah, a pretty good list. Yeah, these aren't like some scrubs that they're finding, like some former athletes who'd be like, hey, you want to talk <laughs> <laughs> on the mic? You know, people joke with Jason Witten a lot, yeah. you know, but like these are just... These are guys that know what they're doing, and they could, uh, some former ESPN guys, uh, you know, Trent Green, who did he broadcast with? Didn't he do that for a while? He was with Kansas City for a little bit. I, yeah. I know he played there, and then he, he... I thought he did some broadcasting He for did. A bit. I think he covered a few of their games. For, yeah. Was it CBS? He was yeah, I think it I think was. It was yeah. So, But uh, he, you know, it, it's a good lineup there, but... Uh, <laughs> These minor football leagues, they never fully catch on. I mean, there was, I mean, the XFL was a joke. Mm -hmm. I watched their first game, mm -hmm. and actually their first two games. Not maybe this, I mean, it sounds bizarre, but I mean, maybe it'll catch on. It didn't. It completely bottomed out. If you watch the 30 for 30 on ESPN did on it, it's kind of interesting. Um, then, you know, there was the World League, which mm -hmm. I loved because they had the coolest uniforms. Yeah. The Orlando Thunder was... I, other than the Vikings and the Colts, maybe, is probably my favorite team <laughs> of all time just because they're they were neon green uniforms. Mm. It was just – it was great. Uh, and then there was the USFL, which is the most famous one. Yep. It was actually successful in the 80s, and then it completely fell apart. And uh, there's a great book. I have yet to read it yet, but I've heard it's really – not only funny but interesting that Jeff Perlman wrote about mm. the USFL. Um, so I'd, I, I'm looking forward to reading that, but it's pretty fascinating. But. Did you ever watch NFL Europa? I did. Yeah, Kurt Warner played in that league. Yeah, wasn't he with the Amsterdam Admirals? The Admirals, yes. yes. And there was like the Rain Fire and mm -hmm. uh, the Barcelona Dragons. Yes. <laughs> and so it's like Frankfurt had a team. The, the Frankfurt Galaxy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, the London Monarchs. Yes. There was some good stuff out mm -hmm. there. But uh, oh, I, the I, Scottish Claymores. Uh, yeah, that was yeah. one of my favorites. Yeah, um, but uh, I don't know. I I hope it at least kind of gets people interested. I just don't think it's going to last. What about the new XFL, the watered down XFL, where you replace Vince McMahon with the father of the most vanilla guy in the NFL? I don't think it's going to work. No. They tried that once, it failed. Yeah. I mean, yeah, they're watering it down, but it's just like the whole thing with the XFL was that it was different, mm -hmm. and now now it's just kind of the same and you're just like well it makes that worth watching <laughs> so uh, no i don't think it's gonna work i don't know what's in the back of oliver lux mind or what he has planned for his league but i'm kind of excited to see what happens to I it mean, i mean i might yeah I, I, I might turn into that first game i just you know kind of like what i wanted to do with the xfl because jesse the body ventura yes. was the commentator in that and that was a joke but uh, <laughs> have a game but uh 
I'll, I'll watch the first game. I'll say that. Ryan Steig for the Mining Journal in studio with us. Ryan, as we get closer to five, make us laugh. Time for the Friday Funnies. Okay, well, I didn't get a chance to find a whole lot. Unlike the last two weeks, there was a lot of funny stuff. But here's mm-hmm. something that... Okay, so there's these two parents for, who, are, uh, who kid played for the Boston Bruins, mm-hmm. and he got into a scrap. Just a big fight. Everybody's into it because, you know... People love fights and hockey, and it's Boston, of course. So everybody's excited. And then the parents, this is their kid in his first fight, and they celebrate and try to do a high five and whiff completely on it. And I don't know why, but people struggle with high fives. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Even when they're right. I mean, I understand if the guy is like three seats down from you. But if they're right next to you, how do you miss? Now, the king of that is Tom Brady. There's so many gifts out there of him. And it's just like... He'll walk around, he'll look for high fives, no one will do it. And then there's the famous one where he goes up and down the sidelines searching for people and nobody's giving him a high five. So nobody fails at high fives more than Tom Brady. But I just thought that was funny because it's in Boston and the famous Boston athlete can't do it either. But they're Uh, still here. Yeah, they are. They're still here. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, You know, this is supposed to be the year that they don't and everybody thinks they suck and all that jazz that they're trying to do. But... (laughs) Um, Sports Center uh, fell for a fake Instagram screenshot. Oh no! Yeah, um, people are thinking LeBron's trying to court Anthony Davis, mm-hmm. you know, to get out and play for the Lakers. Well, Sports Center thought, oh, maybe it's going to happen, and they found an Instagram shot and they put it on the show, started talking about it, and it was a fake screenshot that somebody put. And that's the thing with social media is. There's so much fake stuff out there. There's fake Twitter accounts, mm-hmm. and people fall for the Woj bombs <laughs> that aren't Woj bombs all the time. And they, you know, other things. There's Isn't there a fake Adam Schefter account, too? There is, yeah. Yeah, so they'll do that. And then on Instagram. Yeah, there's, you know, there's Instagram ones that are fake, and, you know, Facebook stuff gets posted on there, and people. You know, hey, do you see what happened? They'll post it on your Facebook page, and it's completely of a joke. But it, it, it is hilarious when that happens. Although I feel bad for the journalist as a journalist myself, but you got to do more research than that. I mean, you can't just base it on something you see on social media. You got to follow up and have sources. Yeah, if especially if it's in your area. Yeah. I mean, if. I, what I do if I ever see something that's by one of the famous guys, a quick look at the at yes. symbol because sometimes they'll say the fake some guy or they'll be like a little like a misspelling of a word or something like that. It'll be like Adam Shifter or something mm-hmm. like that, you know, and that'll pretty much give it away. So just think. I mean, I've made that mistake before, but I figure it out like within like five seconds. Yeah, it's I haven't fake. gone on air. And yeah, yeah. Like nah. So, um, hopefully, Sports Center won't make that mistake again, and they'll look at it. Um, I, I felt really bad because a few months ago there was a similar situation in which a parody sports talk account decided to dress his profile to look like Adrian Wojnarowski. So he puts his profile picture on there. He changes his name to Adrian Wojnarowski, and he makes up this story. It was when the Warriors were going through their turmoil that Kevin Durant and Draymond Green were getting in a scuffle, that Draymond was afraid to go to his car by himself, and that Draymond started racially confronting Steve Kerr, and a talk show host in Minneapolis started reporting on it, reporting on this account without checking it wasn't the real Adrian Wojnowski. It turns out it's some sports parody account with a name I probably could get away saying with on air. I'm not going to, though, just in case. But Mm -hmm. you got to do more research than that. Mm -hmm. Think before you tweet. Think before you post, that kind of stuff. Um, Third one. Uh, Pittsburgh TV station. Yeah. yeah. This one makes me laugh because they're, they're talking about Tom Brady and some guy puts on the little thing that's on the bottom of the screen, um, known cheater. <laughs> and I think it's hilarious. There was the kid who, you know, did a science project and won, mm-hmm. proving that Tom Brady's a cheater. I mean, I thought it was great. The Pittsburgh station flipped out and was just like, well, people trust us as a source. A lot of people thought it was funny. Mm-hmm. It's all over the place. People are laughing, you know. But, and you know, people, you know, there's 
businesses always overreact, and they're thinking, oh, some guy might not like it. So they fired the guy, and, and, and Deadspin did a profile on it, and they're thinking it was an overreaction. The guy does too, but he doesn't want to bash the people who he well, you think if you get away with it anywhere, it'd be Pittsburgh. Yeah, you know, and that's the thing. It's like Pittsburgh hates Tom Brady. Yeah. You think people would find it funny, and they did, but... I don't know, they flipped out thinking, oh, we're real journalists and all that. And the thing is, it's like, that guy was in charge of the ticker on the bus. <laughs> you know, he's the digital guy. He's not really the journalist on the staff. It was just, he was trying to be funny. I thought it was, but I guess they weren't. And the last one, our boy, Frank Steratori, oh, yeah. strikes again. Oh, no. I, I, I retweeted it. He, uh, so he's talking to his weekly press conference, and you know, he's he offers everybody who's covering it a job on the staff. Mm. He's like, hey, anybody else want to coach this weekend? I'm kind of tired. Anybody else? And it's a joke, but he, Frank sounds serious when he does that. Mm. It's just his way of doing things. And he got people are laughing. And then one guy said that he doesn't know how to skate. And I think Frank said that skating's overrated. <laughs> and he said, when I'm on the ice, you don't see me. He goes, I'm off on the bench because I can't do it very well. And he, he just talks about it. And it's he's, without a doubt, the best quote in college hockey. Mm-hmm. And if you were on the Air Force beat, you'd probably be have a ball, like every day that you were talking to him. Because he always has something to say. He talked about the overtime rule that he hates. You know, we brought that up on the show. He talks about, last year he talked about how he knows Santa and met him in a bar in San Francisco. It was just, it's just, it's he's so opinionated, but he's funny with it. And it's just, his skating overrated, that's been retweeted several times. And uh, it's... He's just he's he's a ball to listen to. He's he's goofy and uh but I don't know, he's great. Doesn't his brother coach a Bemidji? He does. There's a little rivalry between the two of them. Uh Tom's a good quote, but Frank's the more outgoing yeah. quote guy and uh um uh it's uh I don't know, maybe I can get Grant to say something outlandish like that in a press conference or something like that. He's becoming not doubtful. He's becoming more open. A little but, bit more. Yeah, so maybe I can get him to say something like that. Not, not something like really controversial, but just something funny like that. So. Ryan Stieg from the Mind and Judelin studio with us. Appreciate you as always. Have fun at the game tonight. Keep us all updated. Will do. All right, Ryan Stig once again, Mining Journal and Northern Michigan Men's Hockey Beat Writer. Don't forget, we have Westwood Patriot Basketball this evening, the boys at Manistique. I'll have the call pregame 7.15, tip-off 7.30. By the way, in case you missed it, the Westwood girls game with Marquette scheduled for last night that was postponed, that will be made up on February the 12th. Thanks for tuning in to the Sports Pen on ESPN-UP, WZAM, Ishpeming Marquette.